Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya, the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, how are you doing this morning, other than uh, your computer problems that you've been having? <laughs> Yeah, those. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm fine, my friend. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's a, it's a beautiful Tuesday here in Colorado. Uh, and Nick, let's just jump into it because there's a lot of stuff to cover in this coaching search. It feels like it's really uh, ramped up these past few days, uh, especially especially even this morning, Nick. Uh, news coming out that Dan Quinn uh, is getting a second interview in Arizona, I believe, today or tomorrow. Um, you've got Sean Payton, all the rumors, you know, floating out there that he's got a second interview later this week with the Broncos, but he's interviewing with the Cardinals on Thursday, which is when he's supposed to interview with the Broncos, which means maybe that interview is being delayed. Who knows, Nick, but what do you make of all the stuff around the coaching search? I thought we'd have maybe a few finalists out there by now. We'd have a list of guys that would, that would get a second interview. We've heard nothing. It's been kind of silent, but uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, speculation and rumors out there about what's going to happen next with this coaching search. Well, that's just what it is, George. A lot of speculation as to what's going to happen. And this is the great part. I guess it's the best and the worst about this situation. The best meaning is, though, now is a lot of speculation on second interviews. But the worst part is that, hey, they haven't finalized an individual. So that tells me one or two things that all the individuals that they have interviewed have all done well. And that doesn't, I don't mean the group as a collective. I mean the individuals that we continue to hear uh, their names have come up. And the fact of Dan Quinn being in, uh, interviewed in Arizona, it's kind of, uh, you know, interesting within itself because, you know, George Payton knows him well. They've spoken to him uh, before. I think he would make one heck of a head coach. But it goes back to this time of year where, you know, everyone starts to speculate a lot about, you know, where they think, you know, guys are going to go and what's going to happen with this team. The one thing is for sure, this group definitely has to make sure that they get this head coaching search right. This can't be another one and done over the next year or so. You need a guy who's going to be here for at least uh, four to five years. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, and, you know, with the production on the field, that would determine how long this person 
is here, but I, but I feel as though this uh, ownership group is trying to do their due diligence to select the right coach. And maybe some of those things that were said or asked in those meetings has gotten them really intrigued and they want to go back and, you know, go back and see exactly what is the right thing for this team as far as who is the next head coach. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple things that the these last few days ha- have showed us. One, I think that this ownership group is approaching this differently than the search group did last year, right? If you remember, Nick, and I, I tweeted this out yesterday and I wrote it in the Denver Gazette as well. Last year, they had three finalists, and it was Dan Quinn, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, and Kevin O'Connell. They only interviewed one of those final three for a second time. They, they, they said, hey, these are our three finalists. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett. They got antsy. Nathaniel Hackett never left. They never interviewed Kevin O'Connell or Dan Quinn. And they hired Hackett on the spot because they were worried the Jaguars were going to hire him because he had a second interview lined up with them. They're not going to do that this year. I know there was a lot of people out there on Monday when it came out that Sean Payton, you know, was coming for a second interview. They're like, it's a done deal. Once it gets here, they're not letting him leave. That's not how this is going to work. Uh, now, maybe they they do the second interviews before Sean Payton gets here and they eventually get Sean Payton after that second interview. But they're going to go through with some of these second interviews, Nick. I, I fully believe that, uh, that, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans, which if it is D'Amico Ryans, it should be noted, they cannot interview him until next week. They cannot interview anybody that's in the playoffs still currently until after the NFC and AFC championship games on Sunday. So if D'Amico is one of them, maybe that's why there's not been a whole lot out there because he's one of the ones they want to interview a second time. I don't know, but whoever it is, they're going to interview him a second time. This isn't going to be a situation where they only interview one candidate a second time. I just don't believe that. That's the way they've approached this. I truly believe uh, the reports that have been out there, Nick, that say that they don't have their top, that there's not a top guy. There's not a leading candidate. I, I think that they still have a handful of people that they really like and they want to see a second time. And then lastly, Nick, And this is what I think Broncos fans need to realize, because, again, there's a lot of people out there speculating about what's going on. Sean Payton holds all the cards right now for for not just the Broncos job, but almost all these jobs. Like all these openings, these five openings are kind of waiting to see what is Sean Payton going to do. And the fact that he's going around and he's obviously he interviewed with the Broncos last week. He also interviewed with the Texans last last week, interviewed with the Panthers on Monday, and he's going to interview with the Cardinals on Thursday. He can do whatever whatever he picks to do, everything else is going to fall in line. I I truly believe he's going to be the first domino, Nick, in this coaching search, unless the Colts go out and maybe hire somebody before then. But for these other teams, they're waiting to see what Sean Payton does. And so that's putting everything a little bit on hold. And and Sean, I I think he's doing kind of what the Broncos are doing in the sense that he's going to weigh all of his options. I know everybody's like, oh, well, he wants to go to the Broncos. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think he likes the Broncos. I think he likes what they have to offer. But I think he wants to go and see what do the Cardinals have to offer? What do the Panthers have to offer? What does Fox have to offer? I mean, the longer this goes on, you know, there's a lot of reports out there that he could just go back to Fox. So until we figure out what Sean Payton's doing, I think it's going to be kind of a, a, a holding pattern for everybody because he kind of holds all the cards and all this because everybody wants to know who's going to land him. And if your team doesn't land him, you've got to maybe look somewhere else. So especially if he is the leading candidate for the job. So those are kind of my takeaways is, is I know that a lot of people thought the Broncos might have a head coach by the, by the end of this week. And maybe they do, Nick, maybe 
maybe I'm wrong here, but I think this is going to extend into next week. Uh, and they're, they're going to actually do some of these second round interviews, unlike they did last year. And I think we're also going to have to wait and see what does Sean, what does Sean Payton want to do? Well, here's the one thing that's interesting about these second interviews. So when you look at Sean Payton, let's be totally honest. This isn't his second interview. It is, if we're taking account for how many times he's spoken to the Broncos, this would be his third opportunity. So when I think about that after speaking to him, once they speak to him again a third time, why hasn't a deal been done thus far? See, once again, I look at the situation and say, well, they are trying to cross-reference all the answers that the previous coaches have given to them. So whatever Sean Payton has said that he kind of wowed the room, they're going to toss those same answers, those same questions at Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans, to see how they will react to certain situations that Sean Payton has uh, stated what he was going to do and vice versa. And when I look at this, I know you're saying, hey, it's all on Sean Payton. And, I, and, and a major player in this situation that I don't think is really talked about a lot are the Dallas Cowboys, right? Sean Payton once coached there. The Dallas Cowboys were just booted out of the playoffs, you know, 19 to 12 by San Francisco 49ers. Jerry Jones could have one of those moments where he fires Mike McCarthy. If he fires Mike McCarthy, that therefore opens the door for a guy like Sean Payton and tosses this whole head coaching search on his ears. Now, the Broncos, or as is being speculated, there is no front runner right now. There's a bunch of guys, a lot of speculations. But I'll tell you this, and you know this too, because you make decisions in your life every single day. There's always someone that you favor over other individuals. And it's a matter of them saying the right thing for you to make you go, yes, now I'm sold on this person. Here's the contract. Let's get it done. They have an idea of who they want. Let's not be mistaken. The Broncos know who they want. It's a matter of, once again, cross-referencing the answers now that they've collected all that data with some of the other guys and see what type of answers that they are providing. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, Nick. I, I, I really don't know what to think of a lot of these reports because it seems like there's a lot of conflicting stuff out there. Obviously, you also have a bunch of fans that, you know, are just throwing stuff on the wall and seeing if it sticks. Like, I, I just, it, it's hard to, to read into some of this stuff, Nick. I do want to ask you, though, as somebody that I know that you like Dan Quinn, are you a little concerned at all that the Cardinals are getting a second interview with Dan Quinn before the Broncos? No, I'm, I'm not. I mean, because th think about it. It's about the last impression. You go to Arizona, you talk to them, you see what's going on. And the, the situation with Arizona, they have a new GM. You have no uncertainty or you have no idea what's going to happen with Kyler Murray and his injury. We know it's probably going to be a six, six to eight months before he, re he returns. That's like mid-season. So who is your quarterback at that time? Colt McCoy? And, and, and if you're Dan Quinn, it is not the best setup for you. That defense hasn't performed well. J.J. Watt just retired. So when you look at the options that are out there, you're definitely looking at the Carolina Panthers and you're looking at the Denver Broncos. So while most believe that Dan Quinn really doesn't have a choice or say in this, he definitely does. Because once again, when we look at who's the best fit for the Denver Broncos and why, we can list out a bunch of uh, uh, pros and cons for each guy. But I'll tell you this, you know, you mentioned earlier about D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans had four interviews scheduled. He only took two. 
he canceled the other one with the Colts and the Cardinals. The only two that he has right now that he's done so far, Broncos and Texans. Those are the only two. And like you said, I think this is something real important that because he's in the playoffs, the Broncos can't talk to him for a week, right? So we get through this whole interview process with Quinn and, 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 and Sean Payton, and no decision has been made. There's no ink on a piece of paper. Someone would have to us to speculate that the Broncos are still high on one D'Amico Ryans. You tell me if I'm wrong, if that situation plays out the way that I just described. I think there's a very good chance that they want to talk to D'Amico again, Nick. Uh, and for a couple of reasons. One, I think he impressed them in the first interview, and it's not surprising. I've heard his personality and the way that he speaks and connects with people is very high. Uh, and that's why a lot of teams want to hire him right now. Um, so I, I think that he impressed in the interview last week. And then number two, Nick, and you and I talked about it a lot last week on Thursday's episode. He was very impressive in this matchup uh, against the Cowboys this last week, right? We, we talked about these two coaching candidates, Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans, going up against each other and if it meant anything. And he went out there uh, against a really good Cowboys offense and was able to shut them down. I mean, that's why they won that football game uh, was because of the way the defense played, kept the Cowboys obviously out of the end zone except for one time, turned Dak Prescott over a couple of times, which, you know, some of that was just Dak being Dak probably. But, um, <laughs> you know, but they, they won that football game because their defense, right? And, and there's a good chance maybe they play in the Super Bowl because of their defense. And I'm sure the Broncos ownership group say, hey, we want to talk to that guy again. Look where he's at. I mean, of all their candidates, Nick, he's the only one still still coaching uh, in the playoffs and has a chance to you know coach in a Super Bowl. So I'm sure that that's where their thought process is at. So it would not shock me at all, Nick, uh, if D'Amico Ryan's is you know one of the guys that they want to talk to a second time. I also think it's it's one of those situations, Nick, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Is I think that the the ownership group has also come to a point, not saying that they don't want to pay what it's going to cost, but you talk about some of the draft capital that's been put out there. Obviously, they're going to have to give the Saints a first-round pick. Sounds like maybe they'd have to give them a, a third-round pick as well, maybe two third-round picks, maybe a future second-round pick. I don't know. It's a lot of draft capital. Plus, now it's going out there, Nick. It seems like the number that it's going to cost to pay Sean Payton uh, it is just keeps rising. Now it's at $25 million per year, which, again, I know money's not an issue for this ownership group, but I'm sure they're thinking, do we really want to pay this guy $25 million when we can go get – and give up a bunch of draft capital. We can go get a Dan Quinn for $8 million a year or a D'Amico Ryans for $6 million a year or whatever it is. Uh, like, I, I think that that's probably maybe entered their head a little bit saying, well, do we really, when we can go get another really good coach and we don't have to give up all that stuff. Yeah. This is kind of uh, uncharted waters for this ownership. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the deep pockets that they have so they can cut any check, but every team has someone of a limit. And there's no player, no, no, there's a player's union, but there's not a coach's union per se. And when you look at the fact of how the number continues to go up for Sean Payton, it, it should, you know, make other teams just kind of uh, wonder and probably want to give the Broncos a call and saying, listen, I know there's not a coach's union, but we don't want to set a precedent here with coaches. So you pay Sean Payton, then the next coach who has experience, once again, because that's what people keep saying. It's about experience. But if you continue, if you pay Sean Payton, his price tag as it continues to go up, some other coach with a lot of experience, been to the playoffs, put a lot of players either in the Pro Bowl or in the Hall of Fame, 
they may want uh, their own personal payday as well. So that's something to definitely think about. And I want to go back to something that you said earlier about Sean Payton holding all the cards. It's kind of funny because when I look at Sean Payton, it's similar to uh, the Harbaugh situation. Did he, was he really committed to coming or was it all about elevating the amount of money that he could be paid? Because Sean Payton still has the job with Fox. He can go, he can go back. He doesn't have to take any of these jobs. And then after two, 2024, he's scot-free. So he can be used, he can use each team he interviews as a way of bumping up his price tag. And as the Broncos look to interview him not a second time, but a third time, every time you got to think about it, that dollar value is going up. Do you really want to do that? And you mentioned draft capital. How much is going to cost the Broncos from a draft capital standpoint? And I've heard so many people mention, well, I mean, hey, the pick is uh, maybe 28 to 31. I mean, you're not picking up quality players. Yes, yeah, there are some quality players. We'll get into it on the next episode. But when you think about this, is that something that you want to do? Because if you pay Sean Payton a boatload of money, you give up draft capital to the Saints to acquire him, then that means when he signed on the dotted line, he better sign as well. Hey, the Broncos are going to go to the Super Bowl 2023, 2024. And yes, here is the year we're hitting the Super Bowl. Because if he can't make those type of guarantees, I don't know if you can give up that draft capital to acquire it. Yeah, it's it's a lot to give up, Nick. And and I, you know, it's it's it, look. I, I think Sean Payton's probably worth it in some regards, but also you, there's a lot of things that um, you know that they need to go get in the draft. And I still think that pick is very valuable there, wherever it is, twenty eight to thirty one, and as yeah. well as the future third round picks. So. Um, they've gotten some good picks in those those later those later rounds. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, Nick. We're going to take a quick break. We'll dive into a little bit more coaching stuff, uh, as well as I, I know we want to talk about a specific player today, Nick, uh, as well uh, as we enter this offseason, big offseason for this particular player. Uh, and then we'll also eventually get into some of these playoff games that we watched this last weekend. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody. Welcome back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we were just breaking down some of the coaching search stuff out there. I wanted to ask you, I know last week I, I finished asking you because I, I thought we would have some finalists by now, uh, who who you thought would be uh, the, the group of three or, or however many finalists um, you know, w- would get, you know, uh, you know, second interviews. Uh, I want to ask you again, uh, Nick, who do you think is going to get second interviews? Do you think all these guys are going to get them? Is there anybody out there that's maybe it's changed your mind? I know last week I said David Shaw. seems like David Shaw is still kind of in the mix. It seems like everybody's in the mix. I mean, nobody's been ruled out other than Jim Harbaugh, uh, who basically ruled himself out. Uh, you know, is there anybody that that's entering the mix now that maybe – you didn't think was in it a week ago? No, I, I think right now uh, the three main individuals, are Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, and D'Amico Ryans in no particular order. And yes, I'm still throwing D'Amico Ryans in there because even though the conversation is well, based on the Broncos prior history with first year coaches, then, you know, fans don't really want D'Amico Ryans and that kind of canceled him out. But you brought up a very uh, good point earlier that he is still the only coach that uh, is still in the playoffs. And Sean Payton, we know he has a job 
uh, with with Fox, but still, D'Amico Ryan's is still in that mix, and it's only right that they interview these guys for a second time, and uh, because you want to make sure, okay, well, what didn't I or did I hear in the first interview that I'm not hearing now, right? And you got to think about it when you think about Dan Quinn and you think about D'Amico Ryan's. Those two guys had to prepare for uh, playoff games facing off against one another, and that takes a lot of time. Uh, out of your preparation to have these interviews. Sean Payton, I mean, he's been prepared for this since last year, right? So he's got all these documents, everything he needs to, to do as far as, hey, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll change this with the roster, I'll bring this guy in, not put this guy out. So with those other two guys, you want to give them chance. You want to give them an opportunity. And we know, based on how these coaches' searches have gone over the years, that there have been candidates who have not been really given a full opportunity to, to really interview, to get to really know those particular coaches. It's kind of a one-and-done interview, and sometimes those interviews are not as long. Like when, when the Broncos interview Hackett, they interviewed him twice, and we hear about the five hours and nine hours worth of interviews. To me, you don't take that long to make a decision. You have a checklist of what you're looking for. You ask the most important questions. You get those questions answered. You, can, you, you, you kind of convene with your group and you make a decision. Right now, it is important, once again, I continue to stress this, and I'm sure you agree with me, that they get this right. So interview these guys again, give them an opportunity, each candidate, candidate a, a, an opportunity, the same opportunity that you're giving Sean Payton, once again, which is his third time, not his second time, but give them that, that they're saying just do and do your due diligence and listen to each one of these guys. Listen to in detail how they answer these questions so you can make a right decision. Yeah, and I think, Nick, um, that's what I was saying earlier, right, is that they realize that, and again, I know that Greg Pinner and Condoleezza Rice and everybody that's on the search committee, they weren't here last week, um, or not last week, last year, right? But they realize that the Broncos made a mistake last year by not interviewing a second time a lot of those candidates and also you know getting again they got a little antsy with with Nathaniel Hackett and hired him because they are worried about other teams I don't think they're worried about other teams in this situation they're worried about themselves uh, and they're focused on getting this right and I think that that should be appreciated by you know Broncos fans and I know there's a lot of fans out there frustrated by all the speculation and rumors and no one knows what's going on they're keeping this quiet Nick this isn't like last year I don't know if you remember last year Nick there was all these videos of George Payton getting on planes and they would put out, we've completed interviews with so-and-so. They're not doing any of that this year. Uh, they're keeping it close to the chest. Uh, you know, they're, they're not, you know, leaking a lot of info out there. It's mostly info coming from, you know, the coaches agents that that's getting out there. So I, I think that, um, you know, they're, t they're slow playing this. They want to make sure they get this right. And I think that's again, why they're waiting maybe to, to talk to D'Amico Ryan's again and, and, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out, Nick, because I think that you can convince me right now just about anybody that they've interviewed could get hired. Can, can I give you the worst case scenario and, yes. and you tell me? I love doomsday scenario. <laughs> what do you think happens? So here, here's the worst case scenario, right? And you can think about it any way. We, I can give you multi levels of the scenario, but I just give you the first one. Sean Payton decides, you know what? I'm going to go back to Fox. D'Amico Ryan's decides. I'm going to take the Houston Texans job, okay? Dan Quinn decides, well, I'm going to go to Carolina or Jerry's going to give me some more money and I'm going to stay and with the Dallas Cowboys either as their defensive coordinator or as their head coach. Where does that now leave the Denver Broncos? 
In a tough spot, Nick. Um, I think that leaves them with maybe David Shaw. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I think he's very <laughs> squarely in the mix. Um, either that or maybe a Jim Caldwell. I, I would still uh, – Nick, I really like Raheem Morris. I know that of all the head coach, the previous head coaches that they've interviewed, Raheem Morris doesn't have the best record of those guys. But I think he's shown enough that he deserves a second opportunity, and I, I don't think people are talking about him enough. Um, you know, I think he would be a good hire. I, I honestly think a lot of the guys that they've interviewed would be good hires. Would they be great hires? No, I think there's a handful of those guys in this group. Uh, and you mentioned all of them, you know, those guys would be like, like if they can't get Sean Payton, then they should get Dan Quinn. If they can't get Dan Quinn, they should get D'Amico Ryans. I've been, I actually think, I think D'Amico Ryans would actually be the best hire. I don't think they're going to do it. Cause I think again, they're looking for somebody with, more experienced, but I think D'Amico is going to be the best hire of the entire uh, cycle right now. Tell me, t- tell me why. Tell me why. I, I think that he, here's why. Not only is he, uh, I, I get it. He's he's a first time head coach, but what I think makes him different, Nick, is he played ten years in the league. He can relate to players. He's he's risen quickly. And Nick, what really intrigues me about him is he's worked with he he's worked very closely with Kyle Shanahan. And I know that he's a defensive guy, and I think that he could come here and make this defense that's been great these last few years, you know, even better or stay, stay great, right? I think he has the awareness to go out there and hire the right person to lead the offense. And I just think he's a guy that can come in and change the culture for a long time. And he's a guy that I, I think that, again, I, I don't have like a ton of like, you know, you know, facts and bullet points that this is why he's going to be successful. I just believe in the guy. And I like the way his background is played at Alabama, played 10 years in the league, you know, is a guy that can relate, like I said, to players because he's played in the league for as long as he has. Like you talk about some of these other first year head coach candidates, and I'm sure that some of them will turn out great. I think Jonathan Gannon from Philadelphia is great. Shane Steichen from Philadelphia is also great. But D'Amico's the one guy in this cycle that's played in the league uh, and and played at a high level. Nick was one of the best linebackers in the league. Um, I, I just think that, you know, in today's day and age, if you're going to hire somebody, you have somebody that has that kind of experience and can connect with players because I think that, you know, the last few coaching staffs weren't able to do that. Um, and I think D'Amico can. And, and I, I don't know. I just I just really like him. And, and he's a winner, Nick. Everything he's done in his career is he's won football games. Uh, he won at Alabama. He won in the NFL as a linebacker. And now he's risen quickly with the 49ers. And, again, he's the one coach of all these guys that's still coaching right now and at the end of the day, if you're the Broncos, isn't that what you want? You want somebody that that's a winner. And I think that, that that's why I like D'Amico. And I don't know, I just think he's a young guy that uh, is going to be really successful wherever he ends up. And I think he, Nick, I think it also tells you a lot. This guy has the awareness um, to turn down some of these interviews, to focus on what he's doing right now with the 49ers. And I appreciate that. I think that that takes a lot from someone to turn down head coaching interviews to focus on what he's doing. And he also knows exactly what he wants in a job, which I think is why he's interviewing with the Texans and the Broncos, because those teams intrigue him more than maybe some of these other openings. See, that's interesting, George, that, that you, you say that, because once again, let's talk about the pink elephant in the room. When we look at all three of these candidates, the one thing that separates them is experience, right? That's what we continue to hear. Well, you just said, well, experience, does matter, but it depends on where the experience comes from. You mentioned Dan Quinn and Sean Payton never played in the NFL. 
D'Amico Ryan's has. So he has that experience. And one thing that we continue to hear about Nathaniel Hackett was, hey, he's too close to the players, right? He's a player's coach. So being as though D'Amico played and he is a player's type coach, do you find that to be a problem? But I still go back to this. Experience has been somewhat of a reason why so many people in the media and so many fans said they don't want D'Amico Ryan's because they're repeating or the Broncos will be repeating something that has been a bad trend for them. But you mentioned something that no one's talking about. He has experience in ways that the other two guys don't have. So how much does playing experience have versus coaching experience? I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, I, you know, Nick, I don't know, but I just, I, I think that you mentioned Hackett being too close with the players. I mean, yeah, I think that, he was a little too buddy buddy with him. I don't. I don't think D'Amico would do that. I think D'Amico understands the value of a player, uh, you know, being a, a a player's coach, but not overstepping that boundary. I think he's shown that in the with the 49ers. And again, he understands what that relationship looks like because he was a player, right? And so I, I think that I'm not saying that like Dan Quinn or Sean Payton wouldn't be great coaches. Obviously, they've been good coaches for this long and they didn't play in the NFL. I'm not saying they have to hire somebody that has playing experience. I just think it's a benefit in today's league. When you talk about the power of the NFL PA, all the things that go on with the players in the locker room to have a guy that, that played not that long ago in the NFL, I think could be a huge benefit. And again, I think a lot of this stems from, I love what Kyle Shanahan's doing in San Francisco. And I just believe that D'Amico would bring a lot of that with him uh, and again, would be able to connect with these guys and, and help change the culture here because all he's done in his career is win, uh, whether that's playing or coaching. And so if he can bring some of that to Denver, then I think he'd be successful. So that's why, again, that's why I'd hire him. I think the Texans are going to zero in on him. So if the Broncos want him, uh, they're going to have to move quickly next week if if they if they interview him a second time. But again, I, I just really like D'Amico. I think he's I, I've also just heard he's great with the media, which is obviously great for my job. Uh, but uh, I, I just think he'd be a really good hire, Nick. I, I, and I, again, I know that a lot of people are, are saying they got to hire someone with coaching experience, but I think you would be uh, totally wrong to approach it in a way where, oh, well, we can't even, you know, hire a guy that doesn't have any head coaching experience. I think that's the wrong approach here. You got to hire somebody that you really feel in your gut uh, is the right guy. And if, if they feel it's D'Amico Ryan's, then it's D'Amico Ryan's. It's funny that that George Stoyer is basing his uh, coaching higher opinion based on what's best for George. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> uh, that's why I was excited. Jim Harbaugh wasn't hired because I heard he's terrible <laughs> with the media. Uh, Nick, I wanted to ask you before we get to break, uh, and we'll get to that. We'll get to the one player that we wanted to talk about in the last segment. But I wanted to ask you uh, a lot of these. Uh, I, I don't know if you if you've followed some of these coaches that have left the Broncos or may potentially leave the Broncos, but have you kept up with uh, Nathaniel Hackett's interviewed a couple places? Justin Alton uh, has interviewed for some uh, offensive coordinator jobs. Obviously, he did a great job there at the end of the year. Clint Kubiak, I think, as well. Obviously, Evero, I think, has interviewed for every single head coaching opening. Yeah. Um, what do you think of some of these guys getting these these opportunities? And uh, I'm guessing you you think some of them will, will will definitely land on their feet. Yeah, you know what? I'm happy for these guys. It's unfortunate things didn't work out here, but. Uh, anytime anyone can get an opportunity, man, I'm all for it and I'm rooting for them no matter what happened in their previous stop. The fact that Nathaniel Hackett 
received the interview with the New York Jets and Robert Sala, I thought that was quite interesting, being as though Mike LaFleur, the younger brother, Matt LaFleur, a guy who uh, Coach Hackett actually worked with, now you're talking about running a similar type system uh, there in New York well, with the Jets and then Justin Outen. The first time I heard that he was getting an uh, interview with uh, the Baltimore Ravens after Greg Roman kind of uh, resigned or they fired him, however you want to look at it, I thought it was quite interesting. But the first thing that came to mind was there's a guy who worked alongside Justin Outen that gave him a game ball uh, in that Chargers game. Could he have called Steve Bishotti and Coach Harbaugh in Baltimore and say, hey, listen, I think I might have a guy, and the person I'm talking about is Jerry Rosberg, right? The Jerry Rosberg effect. Did he did he put a good word in for Justin Outen? Maybe that was the reason he got that uh, interview in Baltimore. It very well could be, Nick. I, I got to ask you, too. Have you seen the rumors about Jerry Rosberg in Denver and how he uh, maybe wants this job now? Oh, he wants it. Oh, he wants the job now, huh? I, that's the rumor out there that he uh, he pitched a plan to the Broncos that he feels like he should be considered. And the Broncos, uh, I think the quote was they thought it was interesting and uh, that they would consider it. Well, see, see, that sounds. I guess like, he's in the mix, Nick. I don't know. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Think about this. Let's put this in the form of data. Right. If, if you are kind of courting a young lady and she's telling you she would think about it or she would consider you as uh, a prospect, someone she wants to date. Do you know what she actually said to you? Do you realize she said, no. what she said to she you? She said, no, thanks. That's exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> when you said that, that's the first thing I thought about. I was like, uh, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I don't think he's a legitimate candidate. I'm sure the Broncos, um, you know, talked to him and, and were nice to him. But like you said, I think that they uh, they rejected his um, his his uh, ploy there to try and be the next head coach of the Broncos. But Nick, we got to take a quick break. Uh, we'll dive into that that one player that I know you wanted to talk about uh, this offseason. Then we'll also get into some of these playoff games. They weren't as good this last weekend, Nick. I I know we we were spoiled the first weekend. Uh, this week, this last weekend, they weren't they weren't as good at games, but uh, still a lot to break down in those. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver, hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, welcome back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we've been hinting at it. I know you want to talk about this one guy, and he's had a, he had a, a very interesting year this past year for the Broncos, so it's going to be a very interesting offseason, I'm sure, for him as well. Uh, and that's Albert O, uh, the big tight end. Obviously, you know, was inactive for, uh, I can't remember how many games. It felt like half the season or more. Um, he wasn't even active. Then he gets in the game the last few games. Jerry Rosberg, you know, changes things up. He puts Albert O in and plays pretty well. Um Oh, you know, what did you think of his past season? And what do you, what do you want to see from him this offseason? And he's, he's one guy that could definitely benefit from a new coaching staff and, and kind of getting a new, um, you know, a, a new, I guess, energy for his career or, or whatever, a new spark, um, you know, if, if a new coaching staff comes in here and, and starts to utilize, us, utilize him. Well, that's one guy on the roster who definitely needs a new leaf on his career, leaf on life, that is, because he is uh, underachieved. When they, when they drafted him, they drafted Albert Okawebunam to help out Drew Locke. I mean, that was his buddy. They played at Mizzou. They they opened him up. They flexed him. I mean, he was kind of a, a tweener as far as hybrid, being a big wide receiver and a tight end. That's what they 
thought they were going to use him for. He was banged up early in his career. And I thought, well, when the team traded Noah Fant, they pushed all the chips to the center of the table on Albert Okawebunam, right? And Albert Okawebunam just hasn't lived up to those expectations. He hasn't really caught the ball well. He doesn't block well. And this is not one of those, uh, hey, hey, you know, let's have an Albert Okawebunam dump right now. No, I'm not trying to do that. You asked me a question as far as what I thought of him, and this is exactly what I, I, I think of him. You go back to the Kansas City Chiefs game. He dropped two early passes. He caught a touchdown. He bobbled that, almost dropped it. Jerry Rosberg just kind of, you know, rave reviews about Albert Okawebunam. And it was Jerry and other people in the media who were wondering, why was this kid not playing? There was a reason he wasn't playing. And when coaches lose faith and confidence in the players, it makes it really difficult for him to get in. And just think about what really happened. The emergence of Greg Dosage just kind of overshadowed Albuquerque Wabernoff. And because Dosage wasn't playing in the last game, that allowed Albuquerque to get an opportunity to get more playing time. I mean, great touchdown in the game against Kansas City. Awesome. That's the best play that I've seen of him in the Broncos uniform. But with so much being said about how great Albuquerque Wabernoff, and even Jerry Rosberg said it himself, just raving reviews and everyone was like hey patting jerry on the back like because of jerry it was this emergence of albert okawebunov but i asked this question if jerry rossberg felt so strongly about albert o and how he wasn't being utilized properly in the first couple part of the season why was he not on any special teams right big guy like that strong he can run but he wasn't on one single special teams unit Knowing as though, well, the Broncos were hurting in the beginning of the, well, the midway of the season based on receiving options, he wasn't even thought about. He was an afterthought. And then even when they put him in the lineup, yeah, I'm talking about the touchdown, but he wasn't on any special teams units. So you have to ask yourself, why was that? Why did Jerry not put him on any of the special teams unit? Because remember, Dwayne Stooks was fired because he didn't do a great job. So you have a guy like Abadoka waving on him, I'll ask you. Why do you think he wasn't put on special teams? Because if you can't go out and do your job, right, coaches lose confidence in you at your position. Well, the one thing you can do, you can go out and play special teams. Can you not? Yeah, it's a good question, Nick. I think Jerry was asked that, um, you know, during his two-week span there as the interim. I believe someone asked him that. I can't remember exactly what his answer was, but I believe it was something along the lines of his body type was not what they wanted or they – they liked Beck or Sobert there more on special teams. I don't know, uh, but it's a good question because he's a guy, Nick, you would think you could find a way to get him on the field. Like you said, he's a big athlete. He's a guy that can run down the field. Um, I don't know if he's the most physical guy, uh, but he 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 looks like he can be physical. Like he looks like he um, you know, can lift a lot of weight. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not the next <laughs> I mean, he, does he not? I mean, he's got – He's got cannons for arms, but he's not exactly the best blocker in the world either. Wait a so. minute, wait a minute, George. Basically, here's here's what I heard, and you tell me if I'm correct. He he he, he looks great. He's a great specimen. He has great biceps, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know if he's that physical, but he dominates in the weight room, right? Yeah. That's not, that's the only. He looks like he's it. Dominated, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's got tree trunks for legs, man. He's a big, he's a big guy, man. He, I mean, he looks the part. I just, 
you know, I, I don't know if he's the most physical guy. I mean, that's been part of the issue, right? Is like he's not the best blocking tight end. Uh, and obviously, he, he I don't think he's a big contact guy either. I mean, how many times is he breaking tackles out there? Uh, it doesn't seem like often. So I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for you, Nick. Yes, you do. Uh, yeah, don't, oh, no, no, no. No, yes, you do, George. You just said it. You just laid out every single thing as to what has been the reason why Albert Okawebonam hasn't really played. He, he looks great. Even Jerry Rosberg said he looks great. You talk about his, his biceps, how his, his legs look like tree trunks. But the one thing that's so important is physicality. And for me, I don't think he has it. I don't know what's going on with him or what have you, but you mentioned the fact of maybe he would have a clean slate with a new coach coming in. That sounds great, and that's usually the way it happens. But that coach has watched games before, right? D'Amico Ryans, they played against the Denver Broncos. Uh, Dan Quinn and the Dallas Cowboys, they played against the Denver Broncos, so they know. And Sean Payton, guess what? I mean, he had Jimmy Graham as his tight end. So you don't think he's going to evaluate this roster and look at Albert Okawebonam and go, mm, I'm not sure, right? Maybe they should call you, George. Maybe they all three candidates should call you for, for to help you uh, to help them rather break down this roster. I mean, I would be the perfect person to call. I know that I could tell them everything and I'd be, I'd be very <laughs> blunt about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man, it's interesting. Cause again, I think that they can find, you know, ways to use him, but I, maybe he's just lacking some of the physicality that you need to be successful. Um, and, and that kind of leads us into this past weekend's games, Nick, one, once again, who did we see, uh, in each of these games kind of lead the way for these teams offensively, uh, the tight ends, um, you saw it, Travis Kelsey, obviously big game for the chiefs, um, you know, Goddard for, uh, the Eagles, uh, I believe had a big game for them. Um, uh, you know, we didn't see much of Dawson Knox out there, um, for the bills, but the bills just looked like a disaster, but I believe Hayden Hurst caught a touchdown for the Bengals. Uh, and then obviously George Kittle had the catch of the weekend. Uh, for the 49ers, tipped it off his own helmet and then caught it. He was unbelievable. I think Schultz caught a touchdown pass for the Cowboys. Um, so, 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 so what's the moral of the story, George? Let me hear it. Uh, you need to be more physical. And? Use your tight ends. There I, you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Go. Yeah, you got it. Everybody, the successful teams in the league have found ways to use tight ends in, in a versatile way, right? And – the Broncos weren't able to do that a whole lot this last year. I think Greg Dulcich is, is going to be that guy. And you saw it in flashes this last year, but they got to find somebody that can consistently do it. And I think Greg's going to end up being that guy if he can stay healthy. But again, it seems like this whole playoffs, um, you know, the, the, the best players have been the tight ends. Like those have been the guys leading the way for these teams. Uh, but Nick, what'd you think of the games this past weekend? Anything stand out to you about um, the, the, the divisional games? Yeah, you know what? Well, I, I went against the grain and I uh, selected the Jacksonville Jaguars to uh, beat the Kansas City Chiefs and upset them. And it looked like for a moment they were going to do that. And, and, I, and man, it was so heartbreaking to watch Jamal Agnew get the ball on the five-yard line. He makes a cut inside. He fumbles the ball. And when you think about this team, and I, and I kind of wrote this down because I want to kind of get to it. When you think about what took place in that game between Kansas City and Jacksonville, when you look at the numbers, man, they were almost identical from third down conversions to rushing yards 
to red zone, uh, even penalties, uh, total plays. You had Jacksonville with 60. You had Kansas City with 67. They got extra plays because of the turnovers by Jacksonville. So when you look at Jacksonville, you're saying, man, this team isn't that far away. But if you're a Broncos fan, here's what we know. When we, we look at Patrick Mahomes and we look at Kansas City in the years past, and you said that they were so far away from the Broncos. What I saw this weekend, they're not that far. The Broncos are not that far away uh, from Kansas City. There's a couple of players here and there. And as we saw in the last time the Broncos played Kansas City, a couple of bad calls here and there, and the Broncos win that game. So when I look at the games of this past weekend, that's the one that stood out to me uh, the most because it showed what one coach in one year and Doug Peterson can do with a roster like Jacksonville has and how close the Broncos are to Kansas City opposed to being far away from them. I agree. Uh, I think Kansas City is very vulnerable, Nick. Um, now, I still would pick them to win the Super Bowl. Now, it, it obviously depends on Patrick Mahomes' health. Uh, like, I, I just don't I, – I know I know you, you, you're not going to pick them, but I, I, I still think that – you know, if if Patrick Mahomes can get healthy by the Super Bowl, let's say they escape and beat the Bengals this weekend, which I think it's going to be really tough to do if Mahomes is not healthy. But let's say they do. I still I, I still like them to beat the Eagles or 49ers. I just think that Mahomes is, is such a difference maker. But I think that they have a lot of holes, Nick. Uh, I think there, right. there's some opportunity to take advantage of them. And I think that they also have this – I don't know if it's a mentality or what it is, but they just seem to like kind of screw around with some of these teams. And then they're just like, oh, well, Mahomes will bail us, bail us out. Uh, and this last week they got, I think they got a little lucky at times uh, against the Jaguars and the Jaguars. Just, you know, I think part of it was the Jaguars just maybe weren't ready for that moment yet. Right. That they've obviously, um, you know, are, are a young team coming up, new, new, new coach, like you said, but I think it's still the, the, the point remains, Nick, you get the right person in here. Um, and you get the right coaching staff in here yeah. this offseason, this can be a playoff football team. Absolutely. Um, I, I, and, and, and you get in the playoffs, Nick, we've seen it. Anything can happen once you get there. You can, you know, the Bengals obviously for some reason just get hot in the playoffs, right? They, they've been spectacular the last two years. Uh, the Jaguars this this last year make, make a little run. The Giants also, I know they got blown out by the Eagles. But you get there, you, who knows what can happen, right? Any matchup can go your way. So – uh, I think that that's that's the bigger point is you see some of these coaches and what they've been able to do in one year, and you, you point to the Broncos and say, man, if they can go get the right guy, <clears throat> D'Amico Ryans, Nick, uh, <laughs> then maybe they can get to the playoffs next year and, and make some noise. But but yeah, I, I think that that was all that was obviously part of my takeaway. And then I, I just um, you know I, I think looking at the NFC, I really like the Eagles the way they're playing. They seem to be a machine right now. Um, I know the 49ers will, will have some stuff up their sleeve, but I really like the Eagles to reach the Super Bowl. And then I really have no idea what's going to happen in the AFC game because, um, you know, I love Joe Cool, uh, Joe Joe Burrow. Uh, I just don't know if they can do it again. I know he's 3-0 and against Mahomes uh, in his career, but it's going to be a tough place to play at in Arrowhead on Sunday. And I'm sure, it'll, I'm sure it'll be close. I know, again, Mahomes is hurt, but I do think it'll be a close game. Well, you remember uh, at one point we used to refer to certain a certain division in the NFC as NFC uh, lease, yeah. right? But but that division over a year 
has changed. You had Dallas in the playoffs, the Giants in the playoffs with Danny Dimes, who most have said that, okay, well, his career was over. The, Jet, uh, the Giants need to part ways with him. Brian Dabo is not going to be able to come in and fix him, and they get to the playoffs. Yeah, they, they beat Minnesota, but, but still, a head coach getting to the playoffs in his first year, an inexperienced head coach at that, but it just, it just, there's so many layers to what we've seen over these past couple of weeks with the playoffs that, I mean, it's making the NFL, once again, uh, the most watched sporting event of all sporting events. And it's only going to get better. You're mentioning what's going to happen in Kansas City. There's a certain level of confidence that Zach Taylor and his team has about Kansas City. They beat him at home. They beat him on the road. And the one thing you know that you need to be able to do if you want to win a championship in the NFL, you have to be able to go on the road to know that one of the biggest issues that the Kansas City Chiefs have had, and I've spoken to former players and people who do media in Kansas City, right? The one thing that they feared, and they feared the most, is about to happen facing the Cincinnati Bengals. They were not afraid of Buffalo, right? They were not afraid of Buffalo, but they are afraid of Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati Bengals team. And one thing that's important, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he has a high ankle sprain. And I know they've done some marvelous things with medicine, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do enough before this game on Sunday or Saturday, whenever they play. And one of the biggest problems that Patrick Mahomes has had, uh, Todd Bowles showed it when they played against the Bucs. Uh, he experienced it last year when he played against uh, Buffalo and he played against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was pressure and he was healthy then. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Yeah, and I think the Bengals' defense is really good, Nick. Um, and so they're going to be able to get after Mahomes. And he, if he can't extend plays, because that's what he's really good at, right? Escaping yep. the pocket, making plays down the field, uh, it might be a tough day. But I, I also know Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy; those guys are going to have something up their sleeve on, on, on trying to help him out. So going to be interesting to see. I, I think the Bengals and Eagles, Nick, they both those teams just have like this like this like swagger about them that they just don't like like like. I'm not going to say they don't care, but like they just it's them against the world type mentality right now. Uh, and those teams, they, they just seem to go into these games uh, and feed off that energy. Obviously, the Bengals love playing on the road. Um, they've shown that these last couple of years in the playoffs. Eagles, obviously, that place is going to be electric in Philly. So it's going to be a good weekend. I'm sure we'll get into more of that on Thursday, Nick, uh, when those games get a little bit closer. But before we get out of here, Nick, yes or no, do the Broncos have a head coach by the end of the week? I'm going to say no, no head coach. What say you? I agree. I, I the more the more the closer we get to the end of the week, obviously the chances become less and less. I also just think Nick, we talked about it. I think D'Amico Ryan's might be somebody they're very interested in, and I think that they're willing to be patient and wait to talk to him next week. So I think that that could kind of put this whole thing on hold. Again, things can happen overnight. Who knows? Maybe Sean Payton comes out early. Maybe they get a deal done. Something like that. I don't really know. I don't think anybody knows. That's what's so interesting about all this. But uh, if that does happen, Nick, we'll break it all down on Thursday's episode. Um, and then obviously we'll be back again next week, again on Tuesday to break down some of the AFC, NFC games. Uh, maybe they'll have some finalists by then. Maybe they'll have a head coach. Who knows? We'll see, Nick. But uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Make sure you guys like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and we will see you guys again on Thursday.